Welcome to this Allen and Overy Brexit podcast. My name is Alex Fozani and I'm an associate in Allen and Overy's Financial Services Regulatory Group. In this series of podcasts, we have been considering the Temporary Permission Regime, or TPR, in the UK government's preparations for a hard or no-deal Brexit in the area of financial services. In this episode, we will focus our attention on the provision of products and services by banks into the UK, what we typically term our inbound services, after the UK's withdrawal from the European Union. In particular, we will look in closer detail at the TPR, which has been established by the UK government to permit firms to continue to carry out business in the UK for a limited period post-Brexit. We'll also discuss the applicable changes in the regulatory rule set for banks within the TPR. Joining me today to discuss this topic is Jamie Turner, who is also an associate in our Financial Services Regulatory Group. This podcast is based on changes that have been proposed by consultation papers produced by the UK Prudential Regulation Authority, or PRA. Certain of these consultation papers have closed, with the remaining open consultations closing during the course of January 2019. Feedback and final rules are expected to be published in advance of the UK's exit from the European Union, although firms will need to carry out work in advance of this date in order to ensure compliance with any rule set changes. Thanks, Alex. I think it's also worth mentioning the draft Financial Services Contracts Regime, or Contractual Continuity Regime, and associated rule set changes. The Contractual Continuity Regime may be of interest to banks depending on the nature of their business in the UK post-Brexit. That regime is the subject of a other podcast available from our Brexit Law website and will be discussed more fully there. Alex, can I ask you to start by outlining the background to the TPR and explain why the UK government has decided to take this approach? Of course, Jamie. In the event of a no-deal Brexit, EU banks would lose their right to conduct activities in the UK under their existing branch or cross-border service passports. In December 2017, the Chancellor of the Exchequer confirmed that it was his and the UK government's intention to bring forward legislation to enable firms to conduct their activities in the UK for a limited period to minimise any potential market disruption. The TPR, introduced by a statutory instrument laid before the UK Parliament in 2018, aims to deliver on this. The TPR is designed to preserve access for inbound services by allowing firms to obtain a deemed permission to carry on their activities for a maximum period of three years after Brexit. Although I think it's right that at the moment it's possible that that three-year period could be extended. Yes, that's right, Jamie. Would you be able to give a little more colour on the types of institutions and activities that will be covered by the TPR? Sure. In principle, the TPR will be available for a wide range of EEA firms who are providing products and services into the UK on a branch or cross-border service basis at the point of Brexit. In this podcast, we're going to focus on the EA banks. The PRA will be responsible for authorising these firms with the consent of the UK Financial Conduct Authority, or FCA. In the event that these firms apply for the TPR, they will obtain a deemed permission in respect of all of their branch and cross-border service passports, regardless of whether or not in practice they have actually undertaken any activities under such passports. Banks might also provide payment and electronic money services on a cross-border or branch basis. Can these institutions continue to conduct such activities without making a separate notification or application under the TPR? Uh, Yes. If a bank currently passports its right to provide payment or electronic money services, it will be permitted to continue to do so in the UK during its time in the TPR, 
without requiring separate authorization under the UK payment services or electronic money regulations. Let's now move on to how firms will be able to benefit from the TPR. Alex, will institutions automatically be opted into the TPR or will they have to submit a notification or application form to the PRA? Firms can enter the TPR in one of two ways. Firstly, firms making or that have already made an application for before exit day for a Part 4A permission, or those who have made a variation of permission application where they have existing UK top-up permissions, will be automatically included within the TPR. Secondly, firms that do not fall within the first bucket can notify the PRA by submitting a temporary permission notification form on the FCA Connect website. The window for submission of a temporary permission notification form opened at 9am on the 7th of January 2019 and is currently tabled to close before exit day. The notification forms are administrative in nature and do not require substantive disclosure by firms. I would note that details of firms that have entered the TPR will be displayed on the Financial Services Register. Thanks Alex. Now that we've covered off how firms get to benefit from the TPR, are there other aspects of the regime which firms should consider? For example, will the rule set that applies to them change once they've entered the TPR? Yes, the rule set will change and, unfortunately for EEA banks, expand once firms are benefiting from the TPR. The nature of those changes is different for firms operating through a branch presence and those operating on a cross-border basis. Firms entering the regime will become, and will be treated by the PRA as, third country firms for the purposes of the rules applicable to them. This means that EEA banks with a branch presence in the UK will be treated in the same manner and be subject to the same rules as a UK branch of a US or Asian bank, for example. This will be subject to transitional relief provided by the PRA. I would note that the PRA is currently considering the possible use of its transitional relief powers granted by the UK government in relation to certain aspects of the rule set, including the PRA remuneration rules, where they go beyond the requirements imposed by the recast fourth capital requirements directive as applicable to third country firms, and certain reporting obligations which involve the segregation of branch data and the reporting and review of this data where it is not currently required. And what's going to be the rule set applicable to those operating on a cross-border basis? Cross-border service providers with no presence in the UK will be subject to new UK rules. However, they will be of a much more limited application than the rule set that will be applicable to those with a UK establishment. Cross-border services providers will see certain PRA sourcebooks and chapters apply to them in full. For example, the fundamental rules, the rules relating to auditors, changes in control, close links and certain information and notification requirements. Cross-border service providers will also be required to pay fees to the PRA in accordance with the UK fees sourcebook, which marks a change from existing practice. And what about if there are any firms that provide services both from a branch and also on a cross-border basis? Where firms have a branch presence in the UK and also provide services using cross-border service passports, we would expect that they will apply the requirements differentially. Some of the rules would not apply to cross-border service business where the relevant firm has a branch in the UK. However, it is also worth mentioning that in a limited number of cases, rules will apply to both branch and cross-border service business. Jamie, I understand that deposit takers will be subject to additional quite UK-specific requirements post-Brexit. Is that correct? Uh, yes, Alex, but only in certain circumstances. Currently, uh, depositor protection in the EU is governed by the Deposit Guarantee Schemes Directive, or DGSD. Uh, Post-Brexit, uh, the DGSD will not apply in the UK, 
although there will be onshored UK legislation that will take its place. EU firms with UK branches that obtain a deemed Part 4A permission to accept deposits will automatically become members of the UK Financial Services Compensation Scheme, or FSCS. As a result, in-scope firms will have to consider whether they need to make changes to their business models to operationalise these additional UK requirements under the FSCS. And what will these additional UK requirements look like? I think one of the main things is that firms are going to have to provide a significant amount of new UK FSCS-driven information to new and existing customers. Firms will be required to make disclosures and provide information to new depositors with eligible deposits about the nature of their protection and about the FSCS. This information will need to be provided at the time of account opening and then at least annually thereafter. This information should also be highlighted in all customer-facing UK branches of the firm on applicable websites, on posters and stickers. And firms will also have to confirm that deposits are eligible on statements of account provided to customers. Firms will also have to provide information sheets and exclusion lists in a prescribed form to those new customers before deposit-taking relationships are entered into and afterwards again on an at least annual basis. They'll also have to provide the same information to existing customers who will benefit from protection under the FSCS for at least two months after the point of Brexit. Firms will have to ensure that training is provided to any customer-facing staff in relation to the new status of deposits in the UK and these new protections, and we would expect that firms will need to implement system builds to comply fully with the UK requirements relating to single customer view, the marking of eligible deposits, the calculation and currency of compensation payable, and the payment of additional fees and levies. We'd also note that as the single customer view requirements are peculiar to the UK, these system builds may be novel for EA banks, and the effort required to comply with these requirements should not be underestimated. One of the other more unique aspects of UK regulation is the senior managers and certification regime. Alex, will the EA banks under the TPR be subject to additional rules under this regime? I had thought that this regime had already fully come into force for banks in the UK. Yes, the UK Senior Managers and Certification Regime, or SMCR, currently applies to all firms that have permission to accept deposits in the UK, including, to a limited degree, branches of EEA firms. The PRA has stated that it will apply comparatively more onerous SMCR rules for third country firms to those institutions in the TPR, including, with appropriate modifications, to cross-border service providers without a UK establishment. That sounds like a fairly substantial impact for all EA banks in the TPR, but especially for any cross-border service firms. Absolutely, indeed it does. All firms in the TPR, including cross-border service providers, will be required to have one or more individuals approved to perform the senior management function 19, that is, the head of the overseas branch. Otherwise, it is up to firms themselves to determine whether the business that they conduct in the UK would trigger requirements for additional senior managers. Firms with a UK branch will have to already comply with a limited set of SMCR requirements, and so now will have to undertake an additional exercise to ensure that they comply with this broader set of PRA requirements. To accommodate the need for individuals performing new senior management functions to be registered as a result of their change in status, the PRA will direct firms in the TPR to apply for approval using an abridged version of the existing application forms and a shortened statement of responsibilities. The PRA will then provide firms in the TPR with a period of up to 12 weeks from the point of Brexit in which they can obtain such an approval.
I would note that the PRA has the power to give a deemed approval in respect of these individuals, which can last for up to three years, that is, the duration or the intended duration of the TPR regime itself. Where firms enter the TPR by submission of a Part 4A application or variation of permission application, the PRA may decide to treat relevant senior managers as approved from exit day. Such decisions will be communicated directly by the PRA to firms. Jamie, to finish up, are there any other regimes or exemptions which bank clients should consider as an alternative to the TPR? Yeah, there are a few options that firms can consider for carrying out business in the UK post-Brexit as an alternative to the TPR. Um, the UK government has published draft proposals to establish a contractual continuity regime, which I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. This regime isn't really a like-for-like -like alternative to the TPR, as there are a number of significant differences and limitations. Uh, for example, it will apply by operation of law and only in relation to branch or cross-border passports necessary to service existing legacy business, whereas the TPR, as we have discussed, requires submission of a notification and will cover the full range of existing passports to which a firm is entitled and, crucially, will cover new business. The draft proposals on contractual continuity regime establish contractual runoff and supervised runoff regimes to allow firms to continue to perform activities necessary to service pre-existing contracts for a period of five years post-Brexit and for 15 years in the case of insurance contracts. More detail on this contractual continuity regime can be found in a podcast on the topic, which is available on the Allen & Overy Brexit Law website. Firms could also consider whether or not they might be able to benefit from an exemption to licensing in the UK known as the Overseas Persons Exclusion. The Overseas Persons Exclusion will apply to certain activities, including, for example, dealing as principal and agent in derivatives contracts, provided that these activities are not carried on from a place of business within the UK. The Overseas Persons Exclusion will continue to apply post-Brexit in respect of new and existing business. Finally, firms should consider whether their activities trigger a licensing requirement at all. For example, commercial lending activities, which of course excludes consumer credit and mortgage lending, are not regulated in the UK at all, so require no licensing cover. So while there are no alternatives that offer the same breadth of cover as the TPR, there are other options that can be explored for firms to provide certain services to UK clients post-Brexit outside of the TPR. Thank you very much, Jamie. There's certainly a lot for bank clients to consider. For those who would like to find out more about the changes that Brexit will drive for banks, please go to the Alan Overy Brexit Law website where further material on this topic can be found. Mm -hmm.